Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I am Ann Robinson, joined, as always, by my twin brother, Andrew Robinson, joining us from Portugal. So, Drew, man, how you doing today? Doing good, man. Glad to be back on the auto bid. You know what I'm saying? Uh, didn't have one last week, man. So, you know, we, we, yeah, you know, I, I miss getting on the mic, man, chopping up with you. You know what I'm saying, man? So, happy to be back. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm even happier, you know, to, to be sitting, you know, in front of this microphone right now. After the Rams, we're able to get a Super Bowl win, you know what I'm saying? My guy, Matthew Stafford, winning the Super Bowl, you know, once again, proving that I am the more intelligent sports mind uh, on this podcast platform. You know, we didn't have this debate publicly, but, you know, there was a lot of Matty Stafford slander this year, talking about how he couldn't get the job done. He wouldn't get the Lions, I mean, excuse me, the Rams over the hump. You know, he wouldn't He wouldn't take them farther than Jared Goff, you know, so – it, it, it brought me nothing but joy to be able to see Matthew Stafford win the game for the Rams, win and drive to Cooper, and just hoist that Lombardi trophy in his first season with the Rams. You know what I'm saying? I just had to take this opportunity to get on the mic and let you know, you know, that you were wrong, buddy. You know, you were, you were wrong. You were wrong with Matt Stafford, you know? And it brings me nothing but immense joy to get on the microphone and open up this episode of the auto bid with that soliloquy. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're done with that. You know, I, I, and I am happy for Matt Stafford. You know, anybody that spends as much time as he did in a hellhole like Detroit, you know, d- deserves some prosperity and deserves some happiness. So I'm very happy that, that he eventually, you know, got out of there, got out of there with a win, you know. So kudos to Matt Stafford. Uh, kudos to Cooper Cup winning MVP and Aaron Donald for those guys uh, get and, and getting the job done over there. So, you know, uh, you know, Happy for uh, definitely happy for those guys, and Matt Stafford did, you know, get it done. So I, I, I will, I will give him give him his credit where, where credit is due. But enough about the NFL, man. We got a bunch of college basketball to get into. We got a we got a huge interview with Delaware head coach Martin Inglesby that we're gonna get to later on. I'm super excited to get you guys that interview. The Blue Hands coming off of a 21 point win uh, over JMU uh, on Monday night. Um, obviously, they were able to go go ahead and bounce back from that loss against Hofstrand. Obviously, the Blue Hands are, are one of the best teams in the CAA, so happy to get you into that interview with, with Mark Martin Inglesby a little bit later. Uh, but before we get into the, the action that that was uh, this past weekend, I want to remind you guys to make sure you guys are subscribing to this podcast. Give us a like. Give us a rating. Uh, give us a, a retweet, a like on social media, man. When you see this, man, give us a share. Tell a friend and tell a friend about the auto bid, man. Uh, me and Drew putting a lot of work each and every week. Uh, putting out this content, man, on, on mid-major basketball and covering, you know, the game of college basketball. So we'd appreciate it if you guys could, you know, show us some love, share our content, man. It, do, it truly does go a long way, man. And uh, also, 
Make sure you guys are tuning in to my guy, Pull Up Taze Music, man. That's him on the intro, gonna be him on the outro. Uh, he's one of the best up and coming artists right now um, out of the DMV, man. So make sure you guys are streaming his music. It's out on all platforms, um, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, you name it. His content is there, man. So make sure you guys are tuning in to his music. But like I mentioned, man, we, we uh, like, like, like Drew mentioned earlier, uh, we didn't have an episode last week because obviously there was a bunch of stuff going on, had some issues getting some stuff scheduled and whatnot. But you know, happy to be back this week. We got a new, uh, a new edition of our field of our excuse me of our all facts media mid major top twenty five rankings. Um, so definitely gonna dive into those, man, and get you guys you know the, the latest um, latest uh, latest um, version of those rankings, man. And um, for those of you who don't know, I'll go ahead and read you the top twenty five before we before we go ahead and get into that. Um, this week we got uh, same number one. Uh, Murray State coming in at the top of the poll. Um, and they're followed by Wyoming, who's second in the top 25. They're, they're now um, in the top 25 in the AP poll as, as well, finally, man. Finally showing in you know, the Mountain West some love, getting those guys in the top 25. So kudos to Wyoming. Uh, them and Murray State are one and two uh, in, in our poll this week. Coming in at three, Colorado State out of the Mountain West. Four, Boise State, who, who had a tough loss in overtime to Colorado State over the weekend. That, that, that was a really good game, but... Um, obviously, Colorado State, you know, needs to kind of, kind of get a big win and kind of push them, you know, back, you know, firmly in, in the field of 68. Um, so huge, huge for the Mountain West there um, as they try to get their their fourth bid in the, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, North Texas comes in at five um, after, after a two and a week this week. South Dakota State uh, comes in at six there on an absolute tear. Winners of 14 straight. They have the longest win streak in the country going right now. They're all up to number six in this week's poll. San Diego State comes in at seven. Loyola Chicago eight, St. Mary's nine, and Toledo, after sweeping uh, Ohio uh, in the MAC, uh, Toledo is now into the top ten of our poll. Not even being ranked last week, but had to put some respect on, on Toledo and their resume. Man, they're having an outstanding season, so they're coming in at, at number ten. Uh, Davidson's at eleven, Ohio twelve, Belmont back up to thirteen. I think they, they, they were on a little break for a little while in our poll, but they're, they're back in the, in the top fifteen, uh, coming in at number thirteen this week. Chattanooga at 14 after a huge win over Furman uh, this, this week. San Francisco at 15. UAB 16. Iona 17 after losing to Siena um, this, this weekend. Um, obviously, they had a loss to, to uh, Niagara in the past week. They're not, not playing great basketball right now, but still, none, none, nonetheless, uh, are putting together a fabulous season. But they're at 17 in, in our rankings right now. Louisiana Tech at 18. New Mexico State 19. Vermont comes in at 20 after seeing their win streak come to an end at the hands of Hartford. Um, Missouri State at 21, Wagner 22 after their win streak also came to an end in conference play with a loss to Merrimack. Norfolk State entered the poll for the first time this year at 23. Kudos to Rob Jones, the defending MEAC champions. They're coming in at 17 and 5, having an outstanding year over, over there in uh, Virginia Beach uh, at Norfolk State. 24, UNC Wilmington and 25, Towson as two CAA teams close out the top 25 in this week's rankings. Yeah, man, I think, um, you know, for me, one takeaway, man, I know a lot of people might be surprised that, you know, Toledo jumped all the way up to number 10, you know, after not being in our poll, you know, last week. But, um, you know, for us, I think that, you know, they were, first of all, they were a team that we deliberated on a lot, you know, and uh, putting in, they were, they were probably like the 26th ranked team or 27th in the last couple of, couple of rankings, man. They're right on the cusp of getting that, um, you know, getting the, the nod into the poll, man. So, you know, when you have two quality wins on the year over Ohio, who obviously uh, won the conference last year, won a game in the NCAA tournament, you definitely are deserving of some respect, man. So we definitely had to move them up. And I think that just says a lot, 
not only about, you know, uh, Trujillo, but also just Ohio and the respect that we have for that team as well. Because um, we know that, that they're going to be a real player uh, in the MAC come March as well. So um, I think that's, you know, one of the one of my main takeaways. Number two, man, I mentioned this in, uh, in my tweet, man, is Norfolk State, you know, entering the poll for the first time this year at 17 and five. Um, as an HBCU, man, it's, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible to have, you know, 17 wins at this point in the season, you know, to be 12 games above 500, you know, hats off to them, man. I mean, they have a win, kind of put it in perspective, man. I mean, they have a win in the non-conference over UNC Wilmington, who is currently the best team in the CA right now. You know, everybody's been talking about, you know, uh, the the surprise that UNC Wilmington has been this year, man. And Norfolk State, who is the defending MEAC champion, uh, as, as, as Ace mentioned, you know, has a win over them in the non-conference. They have a plethora of Division One wins this year. So um, hats off. Coach Jones over there at Norfolk, man, he's done an exceptional job with that program. Uh, I think he just won his 100th MEAC game I saw on Twitter. Um, so, I mean, just doing uh, some incredible things in the MEAC, uh, outside the MEAC, man. So, definitely got to show them some love. Yeah, man. And obviously, we, we had some battles with Norfolk, you know, back in the day, man. And, you know, always a heated rivalry. Coppins is going to play Norfolk this Saturday. Obviously, they had a thrilling game at Norfolk State earlier this year where Norfolk was up by almost a 20. Coppins thrown all the way back took a three-point lead late in that second half and ended up losing. So they're going to run it back, uh, the rematch, on Saturday in West Baltimore. I'll be on the call. So if, if you if you uh, if you have next-level sports, make sure you're tuning into that game because that's going to be a big one uh, on Saturday. But definitely kudos to to um, to Rob Jones for the job that he's done at Norfolk State, man. Winning, winning the, the MEAC last year, man. I, I think, you know, a lot of these schools that are going to be opening this spring need, need, need to take a look at him um, for the for the head coaching position, man, because he's he's one of the best in the MEAC. I think Lavelle Moulton, we know, has done an outstanding job um, at North Carolina Central, man. Those two guys are two coaches that, that, that deserve opportunities um, to go and to get you know head coaching jobs at, at, at you know higher levels. But um, I think my biggest takeaway, man, is and it's been a takeaway all year. But man, the Mountain West, three of the top five teams in our poll this week, four of the top seven uh, in in the poll this week, with obviously Wyoming coming in at two, Boise State, I mean, excuse me, uh, Colorado State at three, Boise at four. And then San Diego State coming in at seven, man. I mean, that conference is just looking absolutely dominant right now, man. And, you know, that conference has been, has been arguably, you know, the, the most fun conference to watch from, from a mid-major standpoint. Even, even one of the best, one of the most fun conferences to watch in all of college basketball um, this season uh, has been the Mountain West, man. You know, obviously Wyoming uh, eventually, finally got, got their, you know, got their respect. And, and then the top 25, and we talked a lot about Hunter Maldonado and what, and what he's been able to do this season, man, and, you know, the lift that he's given them, um, you know, this season, man. But he, I, in my opinion, I, I think that, that he's an NBA player, man. He's somebody that should certainly be um, on draft boards um, come, come, you know, come June this season, man. But, I mean, this this conference is deep, man. I mean, even your, 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 your team like a, like a Utah State is 36th in the country right now in, in offensive efficiency, 43rd overall. Um, in, in, in the country per Kempom right now, man. And they're six and seven in the league, man. So that that, that just speaks to the depth, you know, um, of the Mountain West, man. Currently, six teams right now are in the top 51 um, in, in, in the Mountain West in Kempom. Wyoming's at 31, Colorado State 32, San Diego State 42, Boise State's at 40, Fresno State 51, and Utah State is at 43. Um, in, 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 and they're all obviously in, in the same league, man. So Absolutely outstanding league, great depth. Um, we're gonna have some great battles this weekend in the Mountain West. We're gonna get to those a little bit later, man. But um, and also, man, North Texas surging all the way into the top five, man. After, after a huge week for them, um, I know Drew is, is gonna talk about this. So, but but North Texas, you know, is, is having a great year. 
um, this season in the Conference USA, coming coming off of their tournament season, you know, last last year where they made an NCAA tournament, they beat Purdue um, in that first round game, man, and they've they've carried it over uh, into this season, man, and it's been awesome to, to see, you know, what, what they've been able to do, um, turning that around um, and having the success, you know, that, that they've had this year, man. So, without further ado, man, I think mean, this is a really good segue into our first topic for this for today, man. What do you what do you think about North Texas, man? I mean. Um, obviously, you know, you know, Conference USA is a great conference. UAB, Louisiana Tech with, with Kenny Lofton, man. Both of those teams are extremely formidable. Would you think that North Texas should be the favorite in, in the in, in Conference USA right now? I do. I do, man. I think that, you know, a lot has been said about, you know, UAB this year, about, you know, the, the talent that they were able to assemble in the offseason, you know, be the transfer portal. Um, but I think that a lot of people kind of just forgot about, you know, what's what's been good to them in recent memory, you know. Um, first of all, no Texas, a lot of people forget, man, that in 2020, when COVID hit before they were, you know, when the NCAA tournament was canceled, no Texas was the regular season champions of Conference USA in 2020. What are they doing 2021? They followed that up and they won the Conference USA tournament championship in 2021. Then they upset Purdue in the first round. So essentially they are, they are the, the, you know, two time Conference USA champions. Given 2020 was regular season, 2021 um, was, was a, a tournament championship. But and this year, everybody pretty much wrote them off, and uh, it's, it's focusing on on UAB. You know, and this is a team in North Texas. You know, four out of their five top scorers are guys who were on that team last year that advanced to the round of 32. You know, they only really played seven guys that were figure minutes, uh, and five five of those guys were on that team last year. You know, so these are guys who have been in the NCAA tournament, who have won games in the NCAA tournament, who have won games in the Conference USA tournament. And I feel a lot of people kind of, uh, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people are, are talking about them right now, man. I mean, right now you have no Texas is sitting at 48 in Ken Palm, UAB is at 49. You know, so deliver, I mean, those are two teams that are, you know, right there neck and neck, um, you know, as, as far as town level and, and kind of um, just, just ranking overall, man. You know, right now, no Texas is sitting at 18 and four overall, 11 and one Conference USA. And UAB is 19 and six overall and nine and three um, in Conference USA, you know, but no Texas is playing some of the best basketball in the country right now. I mean, they want a 10 game win streak um, and they've won 16 out of the last 17. I think the only thing that UAB has over them right now is, you know, they beat them head to head, you know, and they've won 16 out of the last 17 with their only loss being to UAB. So I think if North Texas can, can, can uh, get a win, I think they're going to uh, see UAB, I believe, uh, either this weekend or, or next week. They're gonna they're gonna face UAB. That's gonna be an extremely important game. But I think if, if they win that game, they can kind of put you know uh, all the doubt to rest. You know, as far as you know who who's the best team in Conference USA. Man, we don't know if Texas is a team that you know hangs their hat on the defensive side of the ball. They're twenty seventh uh, in adjusted defense in Kempom. You know, UAB seventy seventh uh, in, in adjusted defense. However, UAB's you know a much better offensive team. You know, at thirty seventh in adjusted uh, offense. Uh, compared to, you know, uh, no Texas being 89th. But I think that, you know, my only question with UAB, man, is that obviously we know about Jordan Walker at, at 19 points per game, but there's a significant drop-off after him. You no know, Texas is a much more balanced team. They're a much better defensive team. So when you're looking at, you know, who should be the favorites in Conference USA, you know, we, do, we do know one thing is that, one, defense travels in March. You know, it doesn't matter how many shots you make. It doesn't matter how many, how well you're shooting from three-point line, if you're a team that can guard then you're going to go far uh, in, the, in, in, in these tournaments, man. No seconds checks that box. And then they had winning pedigree and their world coach. You know, Graham McCaslin has done an exceptional job with that program um, over the last couple of years, man. And um, I think 
North Texas, it's time that we, you know, we crown them the favorites uh, in Commerce USA. Yeah, I think you make a very strong argument. You know, I think I think North North Texas, you know, is, is definitely going to be um, definitely something. Come the UAB is going to have to get over that hump. Even Louisiana Tech, obviously with Ken Lofton, is going to be somebody that's going to have to, you know, they're going to have to, you know, are going to have to answer North Texas, man. I mean, I think when you look at Jordan Walker, man. I mean, he's arguably the player of the year in conference. We say right now, him or him or, or Ken Lofton for Louisiana Tech um, are having outstanding seasons, man. But um, I think I think if I had to pick one favorite, I think I would agree with you with North Texas, man. I mean, they're, they're the only team in Conference USA that's you know top two in the, in the conference in, in offensive um, and defensive efficiency. Obviously, North Texas is first in defensive efficiency and their second in offensive efficiency. UAB is first in offensive efficiency and they're they're fourth in fourth in defensive efficiency, which which isn't bad at all. Um, but what I, what I will say that UAB did go to North Texas and beat them on their home court. So that return game is going to be this weekend. Um, it's going to be at North Texas. So that's going to be a huge game for North Texas, man, to kind of even that score and to be able to get a, get a season split, man, because, you know, just, just, just from a confidence standpoint, I mean, right, right now UAB is two games back of North Texas. So even if, even if they win that game, they're going to need, need some help in terms of winning their, their regular season title. But, you know, um, if you're UAB and you can earn a sweep over North Texas, man, I think – that boards a, a long way for confidence, man, going going into the conference tournament, man. But, you know, and I think for North Texas, man, if you win that game, you're able to get a split. Now you're three games up on UAB, and you're, you're, you're already in the driver's seat for a conference championship, man. But, um, you know, we, we, we mentioned, you know, uh, Jelly Jordan Walker, man, and what he's been able to do for UAB, man. Obviously, um, he had a big one in that first matchup um, when, when they played over there at um, at North Texas, man. So, obviously, they're going to have to try to slow him down, Um when they when they played you know this Saturday at North Texas, but um, I think those, those two are certainly the favorites, man. But I think I, I would agree with you in mean, lean that North Texas is probably the team that I would give the slight edge to at this moment in time. Yeah. Now switching from one team that's on a ten game win streak to another, man. Uh, I'm gonna head out west with this one. That's Long Beach State. Um, this is a team that's playing incredible basketball right now. Like I mentioned, they're currently on a ten game win streak, man. So Ace, should they be the favorites in the Big West right now? Yeah, I think I think right now they have to be, man. I mean, I think you know when you talk about uh, the the Big West, right? Like Hawaii kind of had a, had a, str- a stranglehold on, on that league for a while. They were seven and one in the conference in the, in the conference at one point in time, man. Everybody, was like, oh my God, Hawaii is, is, it, is this the year they kind of become relevant? And they've now lost three straight, and one of them was at the hands um, of Long Beach State um, this, this this past Thursday, man. Hawaii um, lost to Long Beach State seventy three to sixty six, um, and that was a game where Long Beach State um, held Hawaii to. Um, 39.7% shooting from the floor, 30% shooting from three, man. I mean, Long Beach State is, is elite defensive team right now, man. They're, 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 they lead the Big West um, in in um, defensive efficiency right now, man. So we know one thing that you, you mentioned earlier, man, de- defense travels, man. That's one thing that you know, Long Beach State is going to do. You mentioned the 10-game winning streak. That's the fourth longest – excuse me, the fifth longest winning streak um, in the – fifth longest winning streak in the country right now. Um, and obviously, you know, I think you know when when we I talked earlier about North Texas and UAB, um, Long Beach State's the only team that is top three in the Big West in both offensive and defensive efficiency. So they're going to score on you, um, and they can you know, and, and also a team that that can get stops, man. So I think if I had to pick one team in, in the in the Big West, it definitely would be would be um, Long Beach State right now. And also they're really good at at, at drawing fouls, man. They're fifth in the nation right now at free throw rate. Um, they're averaging about forty one point one foul shots um, per one hundred field goal attempts. So what that basically messages. You know, how often are you able to get to the line and, 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 and draw fouls? And we know that, obviously, you know, if you can, you know, get to the foul line as, as in, as, at an efficient rate, it helps to kind of, you know, stop the bleeding if, you, if you're having an offensive student's love. And then 
on the conversely, you know, if you can get the other team's best players in foul trouble, then that always bodes well in your favor. So, you know, they're, they're really great at, at getting to the foul line. And, you know, obviously they're, they're great defensively. Uh, and they're playing great basketball, man. As we head into mid-February, you want to be playing the best basketball, you know, of the season, you know, that you can, man. Like I said, um, they just got a huge win over Hawaii, who was now two games back um, of Long Beach State um, in the Big West. And that was the game that was played at Hawaii. So, you know, I think right now the clear favorite in that league has to be Long Beach State. Fair, fair, fair. I think uh, I think the one team I watch out for in the Big West right now would be uh, UC Irvine. Granted, they're, they're six and three, but they're a team that um, was picked, you know, toward the top of that league in the preseason, and they've now won five games in a row. Um, obviously, they got a, off to a rocky start this year, but I think that that they have to be a team that you know you watch out for um, when it comes to conference tournament time. You know, for if 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 your team like like Long Beach State, man, but. Um, there's another team, man, that's also playing some great basketball right now out west. We're going to head to the big sky right now, man, who um, is currently led by Montana State, who was 12-2 in conference. They're 20-5 overall and currently on an 11-game win streak. And since we're on the topic of Montana State, man, I got to give a shout-out to Montana State's famous alumni, Kelton Blevins, who's on the Portland Trailblazers right now. Just came off the bench. I think he scored uh, eight points versus the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? Had his had a nice moment, man. You know, uh, his uh, Montana State team is playing some great basketball right now, man. So I couldn't mention Montana State, you know, without mentioning Kelgen Blevins, man. Gotta gotta give my guy a shout, man. You know, for making it to the league, man. But Ace, man, I mean, this is this Montana State team legit? I think they are, man. I mean, I think Montana State. I mean, their team that, that you know has a huge argument to be in our top twenty-five pool right now. I mean, they're they're twenty and five uh, on the season, man. Um, like you mentioned, man, currently they've, they've won 11 straight games, which is currently the fourth longest winning streak in the nation um, right now behind Gonzaga, South Dakota State. Um, who, one of our teams has won, has won 14 straight games. It's a, it's a, a three-way tie, but 12-2 um, and two in, in, in the big sky right now, man. And, you know, they're a team that I think is, is going to be, you know, is, is, is going to be a problem, you know, as, as we head towards March here, man. I mentioned, um, you know, right now they're shooting 38.1% from three, which is 15th in the country uh, right now. And, and obviously they're also shooting 53.5% uh, uh, their effective field goal percentage, excuse me, is 53.5%, which is 44th in the nation. So elite offense, but then they're also the best defensive team as well um, in, 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 in the big sky. And so I think anytime that you're, like you mentioned with North Texas, like we mentioned with, with um, Long Beach State, man, um, when you can score and you can get stops, man, that's going to be something that, that's going to bode well for you as, as we go forward, man. Also, you know, 12th in the nation in free throw rate at 39.2 um, per 100 field goal attempts. So again, uh, similar to Long Beach State, Long Beach State, their team, um, that if they're, they're, they're struggling offensively, they can get to the foul line, can get your your the opposing uh, the opposing um, big men or opposing players uh, in foul trouble. Man, something some that's always going to bode well for you as you as you head, head down the stretch, man. And also, um, you know, I think Montana State, man, that, that their team that like like we mentioned with with uh, Long Beach, man, is playing their best basketball of the year right now. Man, anytime. You know, they're seeming dangerous on their home court, 10-1 and one at home. Um, but I think the one team that I would look out for in, in this conference is Weber State. Uh, also, Southern Utah is going to be a team that's going to have something to say about that. It's going to be a big game this weekend um, for Montana State. They got two road games. They go two Eastern Washington on Thursday and two Southern Utah um, on Saturday. Um, and then I think this is going to be the only team, the only game that, that, this, that, that they're going to play against against Southern Utah because um, the originally, originally scheduled game um, got postponed because of COVID. So, this could be the only game that they end up playing this season, man. And Utah, Utah, telling Utah is only two games back right now of Montana State uh, in the standing. So if they can kind of get a win on their home court here. You draw within one game, 
uh, of them for a potential regular season championship, man. But if Montana State comes out this weekend unscathed, then they're a team that, that's going to, you know, is going to have the attention of, of a lot of people nationally, man. And um, I think if I had to pick one team right, right now, I think I'd go with Montana State. But um, Weber State and Southern Utah aren't, aren't close behind them either um, in the big sky right now. Yeah, man. I mean, speaking of Weber State, you know, it's crazy because they were a team that, that cracked our top 25 pool, I believe. It was two or three weeks ago, man. And, you know, they've since lost three straight. You know, they were sitting at 18 and five and 11 and one in conference and, and, and they've dropped three straight. So, um, you know, definitely puzzling, especially, you know, one of those games being to uh, Idaho, who, who nobody expected to be very good. They're sitting at three and 11 right now. But, you know, our, our former teammate, Mikey Dixon, pulled in 31 and 10 you know, versus Weber State, man. So, you know, got to give my guy a shout. We're talking mid-major hoops, man. You know, going for 30 and 10, proud to see him back you know, playing good basketball, man. But um, y'all know, man, I think for Weber State, man, it's just going to be about finding consistency and trying to get back, you know, to, to their winning ways um, that they were before this current losing streak, man. But at the end of the day, like you mentioned, man, talk about playing your best basketball heading into March. And there's no doubt that Montana State is doing that at the moment. You know, man, you mentioned Mikey Dixon, man. Um, definitely want to give him a shout out, man. Averaging almost 18 points a game out there for Idaho, man. So super proud of him. We had the opportunity to play with him his, his freshman season at Quinnipiac, man. That dude was absolutely an electric scorer. Averaged about 16 points a game as a freshman at Quinnipiac. Um, won the MAC Rookie of the Year. Um, great kid, man. Happy to see him. Obviously, he had a stop at St. John's. Um, and then he went to Grand Canyon, went to, went to the NCAA tournament last year um, at, at Grand Canyon, man. So somebody who's done it all, man. He's won Rookie of the Year. He's been in the tournament, man. And, and again, um, having a big year um, for for Idaho over there. Unfortunately, they haven't been winning many games, man. But you know, for him, you know, just happy to see. Ha um, good to see him, you know, back back on his feet um, and back having a good season uh, over there at Idaho, man. But another team that that has been kind of um, up and down, and that they're coming in this week uh, at number eight in, in our top twenty-five uh, is Old Chicago, man. The Ramblers, uh, obviously, you know, have been one of the best mid-majors in the country all season long, man. But recently, had a few slip-ups. Um, they did get a 30-point win over Northern Iowa, who's been playing well recently in the Missouri Valley, I, I must say. Um, but before that, on Wednesday, they took a, a 68-61 loss um, to Bradley, who's also been, been playing well uh, recently, man. And um, before that, they had a win over Missouri State, went over Illinois State. But then before that, they actually had that loss to Drake. Um, so, so they've, you know, lost two of their last five games, won, won three of their last five. But, you know, for Loyola Chicago, you know, they're now sitting at 10-3, um, only a half game up on Northern Iowa and Missouri State um, for the regular season title in the Missouri Valley. Obviously, Northern Iowa was 10-4. Missouri State's at 10-4. Lola Chicago was 10-3. So, um, Drew, should we be worried about Lola Chicago uh, in the Missouri Valley? So, I think it's more so a question of, you know, I think that we should be worried in the sense that they're not playing their, their best basketball right now, and they've, they've definitely um, been inconsistent. Um, however, when we look at it from a, you know, kind of a grand scheme perspective and, you know, if you ask me to bet on who's going to win this conference and get the automatic bid for the Missouri Valley, uh, I still have my money, you know, on the Ramblers. At the end of the day, this is a team that, that's always going to hang their hat on defense. Um, they're, they're still a top 50 defense, uh, according to Ken Palm. Excuse me, a defensive efficiency. And like we mentioned, defense travels. Um, they're also led by Lucas Williamson, who at the end of the day is, you know, a guy who's been there and done that. You know, has his final four under his resume, 216 under his resume. So, um, you know, when we look at Northern Iowa, man, this is a team that was kind of a train wreck in the non-conference, if we're being honest, and has found their stride. You know, they're, they're, they're you know, playing now like the team we thought that, that they were going to be preseason-wise. Um, but for me, man, I got trust issues. You know, I got trust issues like Drake, man. And, you know, for me, 
after what I saw from them in the non-conference, I don't know if I can if I can bet on them and, and put my money on them. Um, I think Missouri State is obviously a team that could make some noise. Um, just just you know, obviously they they've already um, beat Loyola this year in a game where Isaiah Mosley went for forty. And when you have a, a player like Isaiah Mosley, who is honestly capable of being the, is, is most likely going to be the best player on the court uh, in any game he plays this season in the Missouri Valley, in my opinion, um, you are going to have a chance. But I think, like I said, I, I think I would still uh, put my money on on Lord Chicago man. Seems like Bradley's also playing playing some great basketball right now. Can't you know forget to mention them. Uh, they also shoot. They also won the Missouri Valley uh, in 2019 and in 2020. You know, so they're a team that is is is, is no stranger to the NCAA tournament, uh, no stranger to going on runs. So I think you know right now, I think they're probably the biggest threat to Lower Chicago in the Missouri right, Valley right now. You know, despite you know Northern Iowa and Drake, Missouri State, um, I, I think Bradley would kind of be the one team that I would worry about the most. But again, man, I think that uh, when it's all said and done, I think the Ramblers will find a way to get the job done uh, and earn the automatic bid into the NCAA tournament out of the Missouri Valley. Listen, man, I know you've got a trust issue, but I'm going to say don't sleep on Northern Iowa, man. I mean, before that loss to, to Lewis Chicago, they had won five straight, 10 of their last 12 games, man. And like you mentioned, man, they're finally starting to, to, to turn that corner, man. And we're seeing the A.J. Green, you know, that, that we thought we were going to see all season long. I mean, he's averaging 18 points a game. Um, their offense is finally starting to click. Um, how we imagine it, man. I, I think Northern Iowa is a, is a sneaky team, man. They're, they have no hope um, of getting an at-large bid. Um Lewis Chicago, I think, is the only team in, in, in this in this league that has the 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 the, the resume um, to get an at-large bid. And I think when you're talking about Northern Iowa team, it's going to be desperate, man. They have seniors, they have guys that you know. Like I said, they had they had expectations coming into this uh, coming into this season, man. And they're a team that is going to want to you know live up to those to the to, to the best of their ability, man. And so, if there's any team that could be a potential bid stealer, uh, I would say to keep an eye on on Northern Iowa. I, I think I agree with you that Lewis Chicago is definitely the favorite, but I wouldn't count out Northern Iowa right now. Just based on the, the experience and, and they're playing some great basketball. I've won 10 of their last, you know, 13 games out of, um, after they had lost to Lower Chicago. So they're a team that I'll keep my eye on in, in the valley going forward. Sure, for sure, man. I think uh definitely gonna be a fun, a fun, you know, February last what two two weeks or so uh until this conference tournament starts, man. So we're definitely gonna you know, be looking forward to that, man. But another team that's gonna be preparing you know, for the conference tournament in these last couple uh couple weeks is Delaware, man. And uh, we had opportunity to sit down with the head coach, Martin Inglesby. So we're going to go ahead and get you over to that interview with Coach Inglesby right now. All righty, guys. As promised, we are joined by Delaware head coach, Martin Inglesby, on this episode of the Auto Bristol Coach. Thanks a lot for, for coming on and sitting down with us today. Well, I appreciate the opportunity and, and look forward to talking some hoops and having fun with us. No problem, man. You guys don't know, we have some technical difficulties. My... Uh, my audio wasn't working for a while. I got my got my laptop all fixed up from Apple here, you know, uh, over the last few days. But now we're we're back, you know, on the new beginning. So definitely happy to have Coach on. Uh, you guys earned a, a great win last night over a good James Madison team. Um, game where Jermaine Nelson Jr. scored thirty points to you guys, man. And um, obviously, um, you know, uh, me and you obviously uh, met uh, for the first time in person after that bizarre Towson game a, a few weeks back. Um, but We'll start with the, the James Madison game last night, man. What 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 win did you guys win last night there? And you know, guys were able to you know get a pretty convincing win uh, there at home last night. 
Yeah, I mean, we put up 81 points, but I, I was really proud of the way we guarded on the defensive end. I mean, we held a really talented offensive team to, to 60 points. Um, they play, play really fast. They have dynamic guard in Vado Morse who can really score it and uh, can shoot it from deep. And I just thought we were pretty disciplined in our ball screen defense. We rebounded the basketball. And then we really were able to kind of build a lead through the second half by getting stops and then, you know, scoring the ball, making some timely shots. And, you know, Jameer had a career night, scored 30 points, shot it well from the three-point line, got downhill, was 9 of 9 from the foul line. Really, really efficient night for us. And, you know, his game is just continuing to blossom for us and really finding ways to make an impact. Now, talking about your, your group this year, I mean, you guys have, you know, five guys that are averaging double figures right now. Um, you guys are very balanced uh, offensively. Um, kind of talk about just your, your philosophy, um, kind of what, what goes into you guys kind of being able to have, you know, so much production, um, you know, out of five different guys on any given night. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, our staff has done a great job <clears throat> building this roster uh, with some talented guys on the offensive end. And, you know, we really preach unselfish basketball and unpredictable movement and kind of a true motion offense. And, you know, you have five guys out on the floor that can put the ball in the hoop. We actually have seven guys this year that have a game where they scored 20 points or more. So, you know, we have some weapons. We have some potent offensive attacks when, when we're really sharing it and being unselfish and making shots. And um, our area of growth is maybe, maybe it's not going as well for us on the offensive end. Can we dig in and get stops when we need to on that end of the floor? And, you know, we've had some really, really – high opening efficient nights offensively where we're scoring in the eighties and shooting over 55, 60% from the field. And then we've had some tough nights where the ball hasn't gone in and we've been able to, uh, we haven't been able to maybe get the stops on the defensive end that we needed to. So, uh, but we do have weapons, you know, we have older guys, we have some younger guys stepping up um, and, you know, we need to get the big fella Dylan Painter back healthy as we head into the latter part of the season. He's been out for the last, I guess, four and a half games with an ankle injury. And, you know, he's the best big guy in our league and can really produce on both ends of the floor. Coach, you mentioned obviously Dylan Painter being out, and that happened in a, in a game, a very bizarre game over at Towson a few weeks ago, um, game that was suspended uh, with about 18 minutes left on the clock in the second half due to unsafe floor conditions. And I don't know about you, but that was the first time that I'd ever seen anything like that um, in a Division One basketball game where, you know, a game is literally stopped, you know, midway through. Um, and, and obviously um, there was, there was uh, obviously uh, Dylan went down with the ankle injury, but guys were slipping all over the court that night. I mean, you know, talk a little bit about, about that game. And, you know, obviously you're going to reschedule it. They, they, they're going to, you know, head down back down here on the 28th to replay that game, to restart that game, obviously. But, you know, it's yeah. a bizarre situation. So for those who, who weren't there, kind of walk me through that night and, and you know what was going through your head uh when that when that was going down yeah i mean it started that shoot around we came in at noon to get our shoot around uh the day of the game and the floor was like really sticky and you guys have been a part of that you go to somebody else's gym and you think maybe it's like uh the girls team had practiced before or they had intramural hoops in there so like hey all right we're just going to get a work in they're going to sweep the floor and, and mop it up and get it ready to go for the game tonight and then you know we come onto the court and one of our assistants was saying, hey, the floor is kind of similar to what it was like at shoot around, but you never think it's in a position where you're not going to be able to play the game. And then we came out for the national anthem. And I joke after the fact that it felt like you were at a bar leaving 3 a.m. standing on stale beer. You know what I mean? It's like it catches your feet, it sticks. And, and then all of a sudden the game gets going. And we had an experienced officiating crew that night, Jamie Lucky, Pat Driscoll, uh, one other guy. Uh, those guys have repped in the NCAA tournament and Final Fours. 
And a couple of plays early, guys were slipping, and then they came over at one of the timeouts and Pat and I and said, hey, this floor, we're getting a little worried about the condition of this floor. You know, if anybody else falls, we might have to consider suspending the game. You never think that's going to happen, right? And then um, we come down, we go in at halftime, and we're playing well. So selfishly, like, we want to keep playing. We're in a good rhythm. We're making shots. Dylan Painter did tweak an ankle. Maybe Asamoah tweaked an ankle, but we're like feeling really confident as we head into halftime. We got an 11-point lead. Literally, we come out one minute into the second half. Jameer Nelson comes off a little like uh, double screen out of bounds under and slides halfway across the court. And they blew the whistle right away and said, that's it, right? Game is over. Uh, we're going to suspend it. You know, I'm like, oh, we got a nine-point lead. Do we get the win? You know, I didn't know what to expect. And you know, then you find you talk to the league office and you get clarity on it. And we got to go down there at the end of the season and play a game. We have a nine point lead with 1842 in the second half. So I don't know if you guys have experienced anything like that, but I sure have not. And I'm going to have to get our team prepared to play a 19 minute game and try to win. All right. So this is actually a, a funny story because uh, we were talking off air coach. And I mentioned how I was in Costa Rica before I came out here in Portugal. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, Costa Rica is like one of the most tropical countries like in the world. Like it rains every single day. Uh, once it hits around 2, 3 p.m. it rains. So we're playing in this gym and the gym, it's like half, it's like the, it's covered, but it's, it's Costa Rica. So like the gym, is the floor is covered, but it's like you can walk in from outside and there's no like door or wall or anything like that. Like you walk in and then it's right. like you're outside. Yeah. Porn, like it was pouring before the game. So the floor is like wet, like like I'm like I don't know. I'm like we're going through warm ups and we're slipping. But I'm like ah, I don't know. We know we play. <laughs> so mind you, this is Costa Rica. We're not you know we're not in like you know Spain or like we're like yo, yeah. we play. We gotta play this game. So yeah. are slipping and sliding all over the court. Really? They, they pause the game, coaching me, and they're like yo, like. I know y'all flipping, but y'all got to finish the game. Coaches was getting ready to fight. It was crazy. <laughs> of the league called one of the coaches, like, hey, you, you guys are divas. You guys are going to play like you guys are divas. We're like, you're not tough enough, right? Yeah, you can't. Right. Yeah, you're not tough enough. You're making excuses. It was nuts. Wow. Well, long story short, man, we, we played this whole 40 minute game, but they didn't pause it. So, my question for you is like, what, as the coach, like, how do you prepare your team to, I mean, luckily also, nobody got hurt in this game, which was, yeah. literally, they made a two minute video edit. With like the Looney Tunes music in the background of guys just slipping and sliding the whole game. Right? <laughs> guys one day I'm, I'm glad nobody got hurt. But right. for you, how do you even prepare your team to like? Because obviously, you know, D1, you got the you got the scouting, you watching film two days before. Like, how do you even prepare your team to go in and say, "All right, guys, like we're gonna go tee it up for 19 minutes and then come right back." You know, like how do you even prepare your team for that? That's a great question. I mean, we we're gonna we're gonna figure it out in probably two weeks, and then you know, we're gonna treat it like a true road game. We're gonna go down there. We're gonna shoot around. Um, you know, we play some of our guards heavy minutes. They might not come out of the game. <laughs> you know, <laughs> play minutes and forty two seconds, and uh, we got to be prepared to you know play with a lead and try to get off to a good start. And but we're gonna our process is our process. We're gonna treat it like a forty minute game, but. 
only be 1842 on the clock and you know it'll be three games in five days for us so we got to make sure we're healthy and um have good energy as we head down there but uh and that'll be an important game for us in conference standings Towson's ahead of us they beat us on our home floor you know it's an important game for us to be able to jockey for, for seating for the conference tournament um and obviously we'll have fun with it you know i don't know what type of crowd they're gonna have or i asked for the same officials but i don't think they're gonna deliver that for us but hopefully everything else will be the same and we have the ball out of bounds under and let's tip it up and go <laughs> Oh, so no. there's gonna be no jump ball. It's no jump ball. You got to do it to you guys. I would hope it. I think it's our ball out of bounds under. <laughs> we'll see. I'll have to get clarity on that from the league. That'll yeah. be very interesting because it was a great crowd there at Siku that night, man. That, that that place was 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 pretty packed out um on that Monday. Hopefully the crowd comes back and you know we'll be able to get a good game. But unfortunately, obviously you mentioned uh, Dylan Painter has been out for for a few games. He got him for about ten minutes versus Hofstra, but. You know, like you mentioned, he missed basically essentially the last four and a half games for you guys. I mean, where's he at in his recovery, and what do you guys think? You know, he's gonna be able to get back on the floor for you guys. I mean, he's he's progressing. Um, you know, it was a pretty good ankle sprain, um, and he was feeling pretty good on Saturday. Wanted to give it a try, but then just didn't feel great and comfortable out there. Pretty sore on Sunday, um, and I just think we got to be smart in this moment with him uh, and get him healthy for the for the closing stretch, uh, whether it's this weekend, whether it's the following weekend, whether it's the conference tournament. Um, I think each day he's feeling a little better. The problem for us is, as you guys know, it's coming back from an injury. Like we've had three games in five days. So we haven't really done a whole lot practice wise. So, you know, he hasn't really been on the court for two and a half weeks just to get comfortable with the rhythm of, uh, you know, practice, the rhythm of competing and uh, we'll have a light workout tomorrow. Hopefully he'll be able to go and then probably be a game time decision on Thursday night against Elon. But, you know, obviously we need him back. He's a big physical presence, almost averaging a double-double in conference play, was leading us in scoring. So we've had to adjust and uh, go a little smaller with our personnel uh, with, you know, in his absence. Now, a little bit of a silver lining, obviously, with his, with his absences, Jair Davis has been awesome uh, in the game since, he, since he's been out, averaging 15.2 points and 6.8 rebounds uh, over the last five games. And talk a little bit about what he's been able to do, you know, scoring double figures in every game since he's been out. And what do you, what, what do you kind of see from him um, in his yeah. he's been out? Yeah, he's been a, a really important piece for us in Dylan's absence. I mean, he's a focal point of our offense right now, and he's a six-seven bouncy forward. He transferred to us from Providence last year. He's an in-state kid. We recruited him really hard out of high school. Uh, super, super talented, gifted athlete. Uh, really understands the game. Knows how to play. Unselfish. And he's just really made an impact around the basket for us. He's a mismatch nightmare. We played him and Andrew Carr together um, and, and a, a really willing passer. I mean, it's sometimes down the floor, it's like, let's get the ball in his hands and we read and react around him. We don't have to run too many plays. Uh, let him be a kind of a point forward and facilitate things for us. And, you know, he stepped out a little bit, uh, foul in there, made some jump shots. He's gotten to the foul line, but he gives us another another score, another dimension there on the offensive end. When you lose a 15-point-a-game score in Dylan Painter, we've really been able to make up for that with Jair's effectiveness. So, um, you know, really happy with his production where he's at. And he's, he's having fun playing basketball again. You know, he didn't play a whole lot of basketball last year. He just practiced at Providence. Um, so to be able to compete and, and do it in front of your, you know, your friends and family in, in, in your home state, has been uh, really fun to watch. Yeah. Now, this is a, a good problem to have for a coach. Um, but, I mean, obviously, you know, Jair's last, last five games, I mean, he goes to 14 and 14. And the last one, he had a, a 22, 7 and 6. I mean, he set double figures in his, in his last five games. I'm looking now. 
Um, you know, obviously you're gonna get Dylan, Dylan back. So how do you kind of integrate those? You know, you had mentioned Andrew Carr, you're gonna have Dylan Payne coming back. How do you kind of now get get him back in the rotation and kind of pull this guy back after he's been playing so well at the game? You know, like what's that gonna look like for, for a coach? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's something that we're going to have to get to a little bit in practice as we prepare for these games. Um, it's nice to know that we have an additional piece that we can go to. And then maybe it's Dylan and Jair and maybe it's Andrew Carr and Jair. Maybe it's the three of them together. We can play really big and kind of pound people on the back road like you guys used to play back at uh, Quinnipiac days and see how many offensive rebounds you could get, lead the country in offensive rebounds. Um, but, you know, I'm excited to be able to have that dynamic where you can still keep two big guys on the floor at times when Maybe Jair wasn't a part of it. We had to go a little smaller, but Jair is a capable guy guarding a four man. He can guard a five, but he can also guard a perimeter guy. We like to switch a lot of stuff one through four. So, you know, keeping bodies on bodies and, and, and having some physicality there. Um, it just gives us some more versatility uh, on both ends of the floor. And I'm excited to kind of, you know, those three guys that really develop chemistry uh, once Dylan gets back. Coach, maybe you can take a page out of the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers book with uh, Evan Mobley, Lori Markin, and Jared Allen, you know, go with three bigs out there, you know? Kevin Love. So, yeah, yeah, watch some of their clips and see how they play. I mean, they're, they're having a great year. They're fun to watch. Yeah, certainly are. Um, now, obviously, you know, this season coming into the year, you guys were picked first uh, first in, in the CAA, and you sit here now two games back of, of Wilmington, excuse me, uh, well, three, three back in the loss column of Wilmington right now, four games, four and a, and a half, I guess, game, game left. <laughs> Uh, to play. Um, what's your post kind of on where you guys are at right now and what you guys need to do in order to kind of, you know, hit your ceiling as we hit you know, the, the stretch run of the season? Yeah, I, mean, I think the most important thing for us is to get healthy for the CAA tournament down in D.C., obviously Dylan's health and some of the other guys a little nicked up. Um, but want to be playing our best basketball as we head into the conference tournament. You know, I think we've been a little up and down and inconsistent. We lost some tough home games, um, you know, competitive games, games that did not go in our favor. Uh, we had the expectations at the beginning of the year. And the one thing you guys know, our league, like, there's so much parries top to bottom. Anybody can beat anybody. Uh, I think Wilmington was picked ninth, Towson was picked eighth. Those two teams are one and two in our conference right now. You know, our focus is, you know, see if we can put a good winning streak together as we head down to D.C. We got a tough road swing. Our group has been really good on the road. Um, I think they got a good, you know, uh, chemistry and, and an edge about them playing on somebody else's home floor. So it's a great opportunity this weekend to get two, two big wins for us on the road and finish at home. Um, but just want to continue to get better, keep teaching, keep coaching, giving our guys confidence. And as you know, in the CAA, it's, it's really who can play the best basketball three days in a row down in D.C. to, to, to play, play for a championship and, and get a bid to the NCAA tournament. So anybody in our league can win it. Uh, it's a great thing about conference basketball and championship basketball, three games in three days to, to take home a title. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you, Coach, um, kind of changes gears a little bit. Uh, I can remember, you know, a, a year ago, or maybe, maybe I think it was a year ago when they officially changed the transfer rule, um, when they said that guy don't have to sit out. And um, originally, a lot of the discourse around that was that this is going to ruin mid-major basketball, you know, the high major are going to be stealing all of our players and things like that. Um, but as I've watched college basketball this year, I've watched a ton of mid-majors um, that have take, actually taken high major transfers, guys that have transferred down to the mid-major level, and it's been a huge boost uh, to, to, to a lot of programs. You know, it's not just, you know, one way where the high majors are plugging talent. I mean, a lot of guys are, are also coming back down to the mid-majors from the high major level, too. Um, obviously, we spoke at length about Dylan Painter, but, you know, you guys were a team that's 
taking advantage of that and getting a guy from, from a Bill Novo who's competing at a high level. Um, I guess having the time to kind of reflect, you know, back on it now, you know, seeing how it's played out this year. As a mid-major coach, um, you know, what is your thoughts kind of on the rule, um, the, the, the sit-out rule? What do you think kind of the effects have been? And do you think, you know, um, it was kind of as as dangerous as it, I guess, initially had thought of, you know, for, for the mid-majors? Yeah, I mean, I think the new, uh, the transfer portal has uh, kind of changed the, the landscape of college athletics and, and really men's basketball, football, women's basketball, baseball, because we did not have that. You had the one time sit out, um, you know, guys that left had to sit out a year. So um, I just think we have to adapt to it. It's not going to change. Um, you know, we've been fortunate to get some good transfers within our program. We've also lost some really good ones that have gone to the high major level. We have a kid that starts at Pittsburgh. We have a kid that starts at Virginia Tech. We lost Nate Darling to the NBA. He transferred to us. So, um, I, and I think you guys have seen the recruiting philosophies of a lot of schools has changed. You know, you're not taking as many high school kids knowing that there's going to be 1,800 to 2,000 student athletes in the spring. And you're kind of, you know, maybe holding out a couple scholarships to see what's out there. And, you know, when I was at Notre Dame with Coach Bray, he would say, you want to get old and stay old. And I think with the transfer portal, you're able to do that. You know, if you have 18 and 19 year old kids on your team, right, and you're playing against 22, 23, 24 year old men, you're at a disadvantage. And you got to be able to find that balance of having some older guys, some seasoned guys, some tough guys, mature guys, and then you know, continue to bring along some young guys in your program. Like the days of looking at your roster and say, hey, two to three years out, we're going to be really good. We're going to be really old. Like those days are over. You know, I have a board in my office with a roster on it. And you really can't look past the spring because you just don't know. And uh, you want to make sure that every student athlete in your program is having a great experience and they're enjoying it. But the reality of it is like these kids want to play. And sometimes when they're eighth, ninth, 10th man and not getting the opportunity, now they can go somewhere else and get into a situation. And the grass isn't always greener either. So, you know, it comes and goes both sides. And I just think we have to be willing to adapt to it. And everybody's changing their recruiting philosophy. My hope was that we get good players here and you keep them. And they enjoy the experience. They love what they love representing this program. They love the coaching staff. They respect what we're doing, their investment. You're helping them become better people, better basketball players, better representatives in the community. They're getting a great college degree. Um, but again, we know that you almost have to re-recruit your players every year. I, I think that's yeah. the most important thing. I told our guys in the spring, they want me to go to Vegas and they want me to go to Florida. They want me to go here. I said, I'm going to stay on campus. And I'm going to take these guys to lunch every other day and go to workouts and be on the court with them. Cause they're the most important, most important recruits that we have are the guys on our roster. Yeah. Now you, you mentioned a guy, Nate Darling. After he, he was huge at Delaware and DMV guy played the math with Markel Fultz. And he was, Somebody that kind of came out of nowhere, really. I mean, I don't think people really ever thought that he would be as good as he ended up being there uh, over over his four year career. There, I mean, he's a guy that ended up, you know, in the NBA. I think when people when he's playing at the math, and you know, everybody knew about Markel Fultz. Nobody said, "Oh yeah, this guy's an NBA player too." I mean, what was it like coaching him and having him in you guys' program, and obviously, you know, seeing him develop, you know, over the course of his time there. Yeah, I mean, he was a, he was a heck of a college basketball player. Uh, he worked really hard at his craft. He was in the gym all the time, the ultimate gym rat. Um, and we recruited him out of UAB when he decided to transfer. Coach McCray and I flew out to Birmingham, Alabama, 
uh, we went to a good burger joint. He came down on a skateboard and I'm like <laughs> from Nova Scotia. Um, but he was, you know, I'm not sure there's a better shooter uh, that I've ever been around uh, than Nate Darling. I mean, just an elite, elite shooter guy that could get buckets. Um, you know, I wish we had the transfer portal back then that he could have played for us right away, but he and Justin Mutz sat out, uh, and they were on the blue team, the second unit, and they kicked our white team, our starting groups, but a lot of, a lot of days <laughs> leading into, uh, the games, but six, five crafty, good footwork could really score the basketball, knew how to play unselfish guy. And, you know, he left. He didn't get drafted, but made his way out of the Charlotte Hornets, got a full contract that first year. He's out in California now with the Clippers G League team, putting up some big numbers. I think the last five or six games, he's averaging 25 points a game, uh, but just an elite, elite shot maker. You know, there's so many times I tell our staff, can we go get another Nate Darling? Let's go get another Nate Darling, right? He makes me a lot better coach when he had guys like that. Stop it, Stuart, man. Um... Another guy you mentioned in, in your response uh, was, was Mike Bray. And um, I want to ask you about, you know, what, what was your time, you know, like learning from him? Uh, what are some things that you were able to kind of take from his philosophy kind of that you've been able to implement into your system now? Drew, you mentioned the, the good old Theo. They did they, 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 them uh, six-year senior little winner at Notre Dame back in the day. <laughs> yeah, they did, right? Yeah, we, we had plenty of them, right? Plenty of them. <laughs> um, we really wanted – Mike was leading the charge in the transfers. We had – Ben Hansborough, Scott Martin, you can go down a list of guys we have that helped us, you know, win championships and have a lot of success. Uh, I was fortunate to play for Mike my senior year. So my senior year at Notre Dame, I was a point guard on that team. He came in, he was the head coach here at the at Delaware uh, for five years. And, and he and I just connected from day one. You know, he was a point guard back in the day. I was a senior point guard, captain of that team. I felt like I was an extension of him on the court. And he... He really believed in me as a basketball player. I think there's nothing more powerful in life when you have people that believe in you. And he gave me confidence every day to go out there and do my job and help our team win. And, and really, I think, got the best out of me as a basketball player. And then I was fortunate to go back on his staff for 13 years. I was six years in the operations position. Then I got bumped up to an assistant coach. And, uh, you know, we had a great run out there. Uh, we went to back-to-back -back Elite Eights, won the ACC championship. You know, Mike is just, I think, the ultimate uh, developer of relationships with guys and giving guys confidence to play and play through mistakes. And he always has their back. He builds great trust and respect with his teammates. And, and guys love playing for him. Uh, I say he's the ultimate player's coach. He doesn't like that term. But if I, my son was good enough, to play at that level, you want him to play for a Mike Bray. And, you know, he's been my mentor. I can't tell you how many times over the last couple of years, I'll say, hey, how would Coach Bray handle this situation or pick up the phone and be like, hey, Coach, I'm dealing with this. What, what do you think? What would you do? And, you know, he's always got great insights and instincts and how to handle situations and right the ship when things are going wrong. And, um, you know, I was very, very fortunate to, to play for him and, and be on his staff for so long. You mentioned the back-to-back -back Elite Eight runs at Notre Dame, man. That was something that was, you know, unbelievable at the time there, man. Obviously, you got the opportunity to coach uh, Jerry and Grant, who's not a DMV guy, and Eric Atkins, who's down here coaching at GW now, and um, a bunch of guys there. Obviously, Bonzi Coach ended up playing in the NBA, and um, Pat Connaughton, all those guys. I mean, what, do, what do you kind of remember most from, from those days back, you know, co coaching those guys? And, you know, obviously, you know, the, the, those two Elite Eight runs, I mean, what, what kind of sticks out to you the most um, from those from those days? 
Yeah, I mean, I think those guys were great basketball players, but I think even better people. Um, you know, Pat Connaughton was one of the best leaders that I've ever been around. Um, and they played for each other and they were selfless. And it was all about the name on the front of the jersey, not the name on the back of the jersey. And we had an unbelievable run with really, really good players. I think that team that went to the Elite Eight and lost to Kentucky was maybe the best team in college basketball. You know, we beat Duke twice that year. They went on to win the national championship. And, you know, we went up against Kentucky. I mean, the scary, the talent that they had on that team, Carl Anthony Town and Devin Booker was coming off the bench, off the bench. I mean, <laughs> Trey Lyles, the Harrison twins, Tyler Ewells. I mean, you could go down the list and they had some dudes. And we played in Cleveland and we – you know, it was a heck of a college basketball game and went back and forth. And we had a, I think, five or six point lead with three or four minutes to go. And we were doubling Anthony Towns and then they kicked one out and Julius banged a three and, and we didn't have any answer for him around the basket. But, uh, you know, it was a fun group to coach. And that group, that's the one thing that I always remember about that group. They had an edge about them and they believed they were the best team in the country. And, you know, we were elite eight you're just trying to break through to get to the final four because we, we felt we could win it all that year and you know um it was, it was a heck of a run no i kind of want to ask you about uh you know obviously the the college basketball landscape is is, is forever changing and um commas realignment is a thing that's you know also a, a, a phenomenon now you know with the transfer portal and the CAA is going to be welcoming in some some new teams uh on the horizon soon within stony brook Monmouth uh, and Hampton. Um, what are your thoughts on just, you know, those teams kind of coming into the CAA um, and what do you think that's going to do for the league going forward? I mean, obviously we're losing JMU, so they're going to the Sun Belt, uh, taking all their teams and their, their football program down there. And I think it's an exciting time. You know, it's an opportunity for our group to grow, um, you know, really good academic institutions coming into our conference. And I think geographically they align with who we are. You know, we have a footprint from, I guess, Charleston all the way up to the New England area and, you know, a little more regionality to our um to conference but you know Monmouth is a really really good basketball program you guys are familiar with them you know being the Mac they got race really good resources and investment and good school and you know Stony Brook's been in our conference in football they really invest in men's basketball they've had a great program in the America East and then you know Hampton's a little more in the central part of our footprint there so I'm excited about it it'll be interesting to see you know do we stay at 12 do we continue to expand um, you know, selfishly at times, you know, we got to try to get this to a multi-bid league that it's maybe not one of 12. Could we get it to two out of 12? And, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we continue to invest in men's basketball and give us some opportunities to have more access to the NCAA tournament with this expansion. Cool. Well, one, one thing I want to ask you kind of circling back a little bit um, on the recruiting thing, like talking to a lot of, a lot of high school kids now, like I'm trying to like, you know, get to the next level and, you know, we, we tell them, like, you know, if, if you have an offer in November or something from a team that really wants you, you know, it, it might be in your best interest to, to commit because a lot of these college coaches don't even start looking at high school kids yeah. until maybe the spring or after they've already done their due, due, due diligence in the portal. I mean, how does the transfer portal kind of change your, your, the way that you recruit? Like, do you tell your assistants, like, all right, like, if we have a high school kid that we like, you know, are, are we going to go at him harder? Are we going to kind of wait a little bit to see what, what's in the portal? Like, how has it kind of impacted your thoughts and your philosophy on recruiting specifically as it, as it pertains to like high school kids nowadays? Yeah. I mean, I really feel for the high school kids because uh, I think every college coach and coaching staff is 
trying to manage the transfer portal, knowing that these pool of kids are going to be at available come spring. And, you know, you're not taking as many high school kids early as you used to. And if you're taking kids early, they better be really good because, uh, you know, I think for us, we took two kids in, in the high school ranks right now that we're really excited about. They fit a need for us, but we're probably not going to take any more right now. Uh, we have two, potentially three scholarships available, and we're going to hold out to the spring to see the transfer portal, what, what's available there. And, you know, with the COVID year, the extra year some kids are getting due to an injury, you know, that's even bringing more people into the pool of uh, availability. And that's really hindered a lot of high school kids. So if a high school kid is getting recruited, they have a scholarship offer, and it's a good situation, I think those kids really need to think of jumping on it because those scholarships might not be there come March, April. I mean, you already see kids' names coming in the portal every day that, you know, there's going to be a lot of kids available. And, and, you know, like the good ones, when they put their name in the portal, let's be honest, they kind of know where they're going. Yeah, you know, yeah. not too many kids say, hey, I'm going to go tell Coach Inglesby, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this. They know they have two or three options and they've already kind of narrowed it down to see their situations as as unfortunate as that is it's just the reality of it you know and and when kids come in and say hey coach i'm thinking about transferring (laughs) i'm like all right i'm not gonna waste any time they're already halfway out the door yeah now that's that's definitely uh um, interesting man because i mean i know they obviously the process for that was a lot different nowadays like one thing that's um interesting to me i don't think you got to deal with this at delaware but it's been interesting um you know obviously at my school quinnipiac we had a guy kevin marfo who left came back mm-hmm. to school. Ryder had a guy in Dimensio Vaughn who left, came back to school. Last year, Towson had Zane Marlin who left and came back to school. I was wanted to ask coaches just like, as a coach, I know every coach kind of views it differently, but how do you view just like when a kid comes into your office and like, hey coach, like I want to go a different way. Like, are you trying to convince him like, hey, this is the right, you know, we, we believe that this is the right space for you. Like, or, you know, I don't know. I think it's a tough mission to be in, man. Cause like sometimes you leave on kind of bitter terms, but then we've seen guys that have kind of come back and it's like, all right, you know, local home type of thing, you know? So I don't know. I always wanted to ask like a coach, you know, kind of what their mindset is on that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think each situation is different depending on if it's uh, your leading scorer, if it's maybe a role guy that, Hey, you know, hey, maybe it isn't uh, the best fit for you. You know, I want everybody that we recruit to have a good experience here, a positive experience that doesn't always happen. You know, everybody has a different role, whether they're a starter, whether a complimentary player, where they don't really play a whole lot. You want to make sure through the recruiting process that you're doing your homework and you make sure you're being efficient with the type of kids you're bringing in and the offers you put out there. We've never been in a situation um, where we had a kid leave that had an opportunity to come back. I think I, I'm with my, I'm going to say my, my small ego, I, I don't know if I would keep that door open that, hey, if they don't want to be here and be a part of this, we can find somebody else. You know, we could find somebody else for that spot. Um, but, you know, for the coaches that have done it, I'd be curious to ask those guys that have done it, has it been a positive experience for them or it's been a hard, hard uh, uh, marriage, second marriage with them? No, that is a great segue to my next question. Speaking of thinking on, uh, on marriage and people who have taken back transfers, <laughs> obviously our own coach, uh, Baker Dunleavy is married to your sister, uh, Chris, and, and he wanted me to ask you before we got the podcast, he wanted me to ask you uh, about the influence on Uncle Fran uh, 
<laughs> on your program. <laughs> but, I don't have to talk about that, you know? No. Uncle Fran is my dad's older brother. He lives and dies college basketball. He, he's, a, he's been a great supporter of mine. He was a terrible high school basketball coach, but uh, he took over the program after my dad um, retired my senior year. I think he was one year coaching Carroll in the Catholic League when my brother was there. But um, yeah, he's a big supporter of our program. He's a character. He's got a lot of personality. and He comes to every game. He's down here with my dad after every game and or two comes to every game and always been positive and supporting us and, and loves the Blue Hens and um, great guy. Now, what's your relationship like with Coach Dunleavy, man? I mean, like, you know, two head coaches, you know, brought together, you know, by, by, by you know, by your sister and stuff. Like, what's your relationship? Do you guys ever, you know, bounce basketball off each other? Like, I mean, what's what's that like? Because, I mean, I'm sure you guys have two different kind of coaching, you know, philosophy and things like that. But, I mean, even I'm thinking back now, I mean, he was an assistant at Villanova when you were an assistant at, uh, at Notre Dame. You know, uh, I believe you guys were in the Big East at this time, I would assume. Um, yep, yep. What's your relationship, you know, been like through, through all this, you know, coming up in the coaching ranks together and becoming head coaches? Yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I think uh, our relationship has really grown over the years. We've supported each other as assistants. And then, you know, as he got a head coaching job, I got a head coaching job. And um, I just think that that relationship has continued to grow. And I can't tell you how many times that that we bounce ideas off of each other, or pick each other's brains. And you know, we talk frequently, maybe every couple of days, texting each other. I'm always following Quinnipiac. He's following Delaware. Uh, we spent a lot of time down the shore in the summer on the deck having some beers talking hoops and teams and recruits and how you would handle these situations and you know he's been he's become a great friend and um you know a great peer in this profession and I really like how for the Bobcats and my sister keeps me updated we've been up there a couple times to you know bring my gang up there to spend time with their family and stuff and always pulling for them and want them to do well and um it's just been it's been a fun fun relationship except for the two times that we, that we beat you guys in those close scrimmages but back 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 in the day huh <laughs> again man he tricked me into thinking like uh, hey we'll come down and do this and then all of a sudden it's the competitive juices get going and you guys you guys got us twice it's like I, I left there like damn we're not very good <laughs> hey man well I, i'm sure you know it, it worked out in, in the long run it made for some good film uh to use in, in in the days following after and definitely you know made us better and uh it's been a lot of fun uh, having you on. So definitely want to thank you for, for coming on today, man. And obviously look forward to getting down there when you guys play that last uh, 19 minutes or so down there uh, <laughs> versus Thompson uh, in a few weeks. But thanks a lot yeah. for coming on and we really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it, guys. And I appreciate what you guys do. It's been fun following it. And I appreciate you rooting and following our basketball. But hopefully I'm smiling like this in a couple of weeks when I see you again in person after finding a way to beat the Tigers down there. But, uh, you know, it'll be fun. It'll be a heck of a battle. And love to continue to stay in touch. For sure. All righty, guys. That was Delaware head coach Martin Inglesby, man. That was a fun interview, man. Definitely, uh, you know, had a good time chopping up with Coach Man. It's crazy, man, when he was talking about the, uh, the those Notre Dame te teams, man, that, that made those back-to-back -back elite eights. Man, I can remember watching those teams, man, and thinking like, dang, man, I mean, I, I, I agree, man. I, th I think those teams really did have a chance to, you know, make the Final Four and, and, and you know, have a chance to compete for, for, for it all, man. But um, it's crazy to see, you know, Notre Dame then and where Notre Dame is at now, where they're you know, kind of been in, in purgatory the last couple of years, man. So 
hoping that uh, you know Mike Breaking can, 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 can kind of turn around. I think right now they're squarely on the bubble. You know, we know the ACC has been uh, mid-pack this year, to say the least. So you know, we'll see if Notre Dame can somehow find their way back into the NCAA tournament and kind of create some magic, man. But you know, for Delaware, man, I think um, it's gonna be interesting to see. You know what they can do in the CA, man. The CA has four teams right now to have. 17 wins or more, you know, Towson, UNC, Wilmington, Hofstra, and, and Delaware. And those are the four teams who are essentially, you know, the pride of the league you know, from, from really the whole, the whole year. Those have been the best four teams in the league. So I'm really excited to see kind of um, who is going to finish these last two weeks out the strongest. I'm also intrigued to see, you know, when Delaware gets Dylan Painter back um, and what they're going to look like because he's an extremely important piece to what they do. No, for sure, man. I, I think, you know, from, from seeing that game, uh, well, the first 22 minutes of, of, of that basketball game down here in Baltimore when Delaware came down here, man, they're, they're a really good team, man. They have, they have great guard play. Um, Kevin Anderson is outstanding. We know Ryan Allen, um, former DeMatha standout, has been awesome. Um, the Jameer Nelson Jr. is coming off that 31-point game, or that 30-point that game um, against James Madison, man. And then Dylan Panner was, was unstoppable in, in, in that, you know, first half of that basketball game. He had 14 points. And Towson had no answer for him, man. So whenever they can get him back on the court, man, um, they're going to be a team that's going to definitely um, is going to definitely be a force to be, to be reckoned with, man. So, you know, I think like Coach Ingles said during the interview, man, health is going to be the most important thing for them, man, and being able to get their guys back on the floor, man. But it's going to be a, be a fun CAA tournament. I didn't even know that, that it was in D.C., so definitely I might have to apply for a little credential to get down there and see that one, man, because it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun, um, you know, seeing how that thing shakes out with UNC Wilmington and Towson and, and Hofstra and Delaware, man, because if any of those four teams come out of that conference, they're going to be a tough out. Uh, in, in the NCAA tournament, man, because all those guys have great guard play. You talk about UNC Wilmington. Uh, we talked about them at length uh, with, with Jalen Sims and uh, Mike McQuarrow and um, my other man, uh, Sykeen Phillips. Uh, obviously, all three of those guys are, are having outstanding years. And then for Towson, Jason Gibson and Nick Timberlake and Terry Nolan, who's been in and out of the lineup, been, been, you know, been healthy and been dealing with some respiratory issues. They look like they finally got him back. And they had like a 30, 30 some point victory every day over, over Eli, man. You know, Charles Thompson was balling in that one. Yeah, Charles Thompson, obviously, it's huge down low for them, man. But, and obviously, Aaron Strada is arguably the conference player of the year right now um, for, for, for Hofstra, man. He's having an outstanding year transferring in from Oregon. Um, and then we know about, um, obviously, what, what Zach Cooks um, can do and also Jalen Ray for them, man. So the guard playing the CA is, is outstanding, man. So it's going to make for some fun matchups um, in, in the CA tournament down here in D.C. So definitely looking forward um, to seeing how those, you know, how those games end up shaking out down the stretch. Yeah, man, definitely gonna be fun to see how that how that shakes out, man. But it was time for our, our one of our favorite segments of the week, man, and 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 that's the craziest thing we saw, man. So I'll let you start this one, Ace. Crazy thing I saw um, happened uh, last night, and it was IPFW in Cleveland State. They played a three overtime game. It was a one hundred two to ninety eight game, man. I think SVP uh, will agree with me because it was the best thing that he saw on Sports Center uh, last night, man. So. You know, if, if anybody hasn't got a chance to see that game, definitely go back and watch the highlights because that was an absolute insane game. There were uh, coaches, uh, there was some coaches that they, they had some Chris Weber, Chris Weber uh, technicals, man, calling timeouts that they didn't have, man. Our guy, Damian Sean Cui, hit like hit a desperation three uh, for IPFW to send the game into overtime, man. There were lane violations that, that resulted in, in, you know, points not being scored and the, the game being tied. And it was absolute pandemonium, man. So, Horizon League basketball never, never, ever, um, never, ever uh, disappoints, man. Last night's game between IPFW and Cleveland State was absolute madness. Um, there were seven guys 
if Cleveland State had scored in double figures, um, and they still lost that basketball game, man. So, you know, I, I think, you know, for IPFW to come out come out with that win, man, Cleveland State is a team you know, coached by Dennis Gates that a lot of people have tabbed as, you know, the favorites in, in, the, um, in the horizon league, man. Them and Oakland are now tied in the loss column with four losses apiece. Northern, Northern Kentucky is, is only one game back um, with, with five losses, man, and they've now won three straight. Uh, Oakland's won two straight. So, you know, it's going to be a fun stretch, stretch run here. Um, in the Horizon League, man, to see how that league shakes up, man. But that game last night between the IPFW um, and Cleveland State was absolutely outstanding. And, and if you, like I said, if you didn't see the, uh, the highlights, definitely go back and check those out. Yeah, man. Shoot, I'm, I'm glad to see uh, my guy Damien Chonqui is uh, still out there, you know, being clutch. Obviously, you remember what he did, you know, the heroics he pulled off last year in the NEC tournament, man, getting getting Mount St. Mary into the big dance. And, uh, that guy's no stranger to the moment, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised at all there, man. But for me, like I said, the craziest thing I saw, um, I got to give a shout out to Caitlin Clark. Um, and this is the dynamic super sophomore at Iowa. Um, quite frankly, I mean, she's she's the best player in the country right now. Um, granted, you know, our, our Maryland Terps, you know, shut her down last night, head her to a, a measly – 19 points uh, in, in, in yesterday's game um, against Iowa, 725 from the field and 313 from three. You know, but, I mean, this girl is, is absolutely amazing, man. I mean, um, she's a girl who plenty of you guys probably saw, you know, go viral last week uh, in that game against Michigan, pulling from 40, looking like Steph Curry. She had 46 points in that game, you know, 46 points, 10 assists, uh, and four boards in that game, man. But, I mean, this is a, I mean, if, if, matter of fact, let me just read some of her, uh, some of her, her, her stats from, from some recent games. Obviously, we mentioned the 46 and 10 versus Michigan that we all saw. Uh, the game after that versus Minnesota, she goes for 32, 8, and 6. The game before the 46 point performance, she had the 27 point triple double, 27, 11, and 11. Before that, 43, 7, and 4. Before that, 28, 11, and 5. She had a 20 point, 17 assists, 17 rebounds. I mean, she's had a 35, 13 rebounds, 11 assists. 31, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. I mean, she's going for 30-point triple-doubles. You know, I mean, this girl is absolutely amazing, man. And I think that if you haven't seen Caitlin Clark play, you definitely need to, man. I mean, if if this was a men's basketball man, I mean, she she probably she would have been one done last year, actually. But she definitely would have would, would be two into the league uh, this year, man. She's averaging 27, 8, and 8 on 45% from the field, man. And, you know, when I saw that video of her hitting step backs and Weave three, there were two, three defenders, man, pulling up right over half court. I said, yo, this girl's crazy. I mean, we're talking about her in the locker room. Some of my teammates who aren't, you know, as avid college basketball guys as we are, man, you're like, yo, she's the best, she's the best basketball player I ever seen. Like, <laughs> yo, she's the best women's basketball player I've ever seen, like, shooting the ball like that, man. So definitely got to give her a shout out, man. I mean, she's uh, doing some extraordinary things on the basketball court, man. So Definitely got to give her a shout out on this podcast. You know, she's she's outstanding, man. If anybody knows Caitlin Clark or has any ties to Caitlin Clark, man, please tell her we love to have her on the auto bin, man. We love to sit down with her and, and pick her brain, you know, about what goes through her mind when she's taking those those ludicrous shots. Cause she hit one last night versus Maryland and it ended the third quarter from about 40 feet. And I, and I was like, man, this girl is absolutely insane, man. I had an opportunity to watch that game. Maryland, Maryland did a great job making her life miserable, man. I mean, she had 19 points. She had to work for all 19 of them, seven for 25 from the floor. Three of 13 from three, and she had 10 turnovers. So, you know, Maryland's length and athleticism 
you know, really bother her last night. But it just shows, you know, I mean, shoot, anytime an off night, you know, results in, in 19 points, six rebounds, and six assists, you know, you 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 know you're having a, a pretty good season, man. She's obviously averaging 27, eight and eight on the year, man, which is absolutely absurd. So kudos to her, kudos to click to 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 Iowa, whoever recruited her there, because whoever recruited her there need, needs a, a promotion, a raise, and and all of the above, man. They, they need to be, you know, coach of the year, assistant coach of the year, man, whatever, because. That's an outstanding get to get to get her. Well, she's from Iowa, so that that makes sense. Well, whoever convinced her to stay home uh, needs a huge raise. I'm sure UConn and South Carolina and you know Stanford and who's who in college basketball is definitely recruiting her. So, cool turn for staying home and being a hometown hero for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Sure, man, definitely, uh, definitely, man. That's probably one of the one of the one of their best best signees ever. You know, I would definitely uh, go out on a limb to, to say that one, man. But definitely got some uh, some games coming up this week. To, to look out for Ace, man. So, you know, what games do you have on your radar for the upcoming week? There's a bunch of good ones, man. You're going to get a, a CAA matchup between the best two teams in the CAA right now. First place, UNC Bowmanson um, is going to host Towson on Thursday at 6 p.m. Towson's obviously in second place, only a game back of UNC Bowmanson. And for Towson, they lost that first game at UNC Bowmanson. So, this is this is a game they're going to you know be, be really chopping at the bit to get back in order to, you know, tie UNC Bowmanson at the top of the CAA standings, man. And you be able to potentially win a regular season championship. So huge game Thursday at 6 p.m. Towson at UNC Wilmington. Huge game in the WCC Thursday. Also going to take place. San Francisco is going to travel to St. Mary's Thursday at 10 p.m. Uh, San Fran actually you know, took a loss this week, um, so they're going to be looking to to get back on the right side of the of the, of the win loss column. And I see, you know, they, they were two and one. They lost to Portland, but they beat Pepperdine and beat Santa Clara. So. You know, obviously that loss to Portland is going to sting when we talk about the tournament resume and going forward. So definitely going to be looking to kind of balance that out with a big win against St. Mary. That's Thursday at 10 p.m. And then talked a little bit about this earlier, man. North Texas is going to go to UAB Saturday at 4 p.m., a huge game in Conference USA. Going to try to even the score in Conference USA and earn that split after UAB got North Texas um, early in the year. So definitely going to be going to be a game that you're going to want to watch because um, both of those teams are going to be teams that can, can make some noise come tournament time. So that's going to be Saturday. 4 p.m. Talked about this game a little bit earlier. Montana State at Southern Utah. Um, two of the best teams in the big in the big guy. That game is going to be Saturday at 4 p.m. as well. And then the Missouri Valley. You're going to get Drake at Loyola Chicago Saturday at 6 p.m. Uh, that could be a revenge game for Loyola Chicago because Drake won uh, round one of, of, of that series. So Loyola Chicago is going to be looking to get back on the right side of that equation. Uh, that game is going to be again Saturday at 6 p.m. And then a big game in the Mountain West, man, Utah State and Boise State, Saturday at 6 p.m. And the Mountain West has been so fun all season long, man. And Boise obviously just took a loss to Colorado State, man. Utah State is another team we, we, we mentioned, man, top 50 team uh, in the country per Kempom, man. And, you know, it's going to be a, a, a very, very uh, good game there. Boise is going to be at home, luckily. So, you know, obviously the, um, they're going to be favored. But no no, no easy game there with Utah State coming to town. A big game out of the WAC. New Mexico State is going to travel to Grand Canyon uh, Saturday at 8 p.m. Those are the two teams out of New Mexico State at the top of the WAC right now. And Grand Canyon was, at one point in time, one of the best teams in the MAC, but in the WAC, excuse me, but uh, took a few losses. So they're going to have an opportunity um, to, to, to get a big win um, Saturday. I think New Mexico State won uh, round one of the, that matchup. So Grand Canyon is going to have an opportunity to get a split um, on Saturday at 8 p.m. So definitely a huge game there. Um, and then BYU. Um, it's going to go to St. Mary's Saturday at 10 p.m. Um, on just, just you know, another um, night in, in, in the WCC, you know, BYU and St. Mary's, two potential teams that are going to be looking for some tournament bids. 
Um, and then San Diego State, huge game. They're going to go to Fresno State Saturday at 10 p.m. Um, San Diego State, man, I think they're, they're a team that you know, you're going to need to avoid um, bad losses. Fresno State is not a bad loss by any stretch of the imagination. You know, their team has, like I said, a top, you know, 50, top 55 team you know, per Kempom. But, you know, this is this is a win that San Diego State is going to probably need to get because they don't have too many of those wins that are going to put them on the right side of the bubble. I think I've been looking at a lot of the latest um, bracket projections and a lot of those, a lot, a lot of projections have them, you know, in, in that first four out um, territory. So they're going to be a team that's, that's going to be looking to kind of get some resume building wins. And that would be a quad one win, uh, I, I believe. Uh, they can, they're able to get a road win at Fresno State. And last but not least, Sunday, 2 p.m., Missouri State in Northern Iowa. Um, those are two, two of the best teams in, in the Missouri Valley, obviously. Uh, we, we mentioned that earlier, both of those teams being tied um, just a half game behind Lola Chicago in the Missouri Valley. So huge game for those two. It take place Sunday, 2 p.m. Um, Missouri State is going to go to Northern Iowa. So a bunch of good, good, good games this weekend, man. So make sure you guys are, you know, tuning in on, on television, man. Get you a nice little beverage, man, some popcorn, and kick your feet up and watch some good basketball this weekend. Yeah, man, I definitely, you know, there are two games that I obviously, uh, all those games are going to be great games. Uh, the two games I think I'm going to be looking at the most is um, obviously the one, North Texas and UAB. I we talked about you know, those two teams at length earlier, so I'm going to be definitely watching to see if, if North Texas can, can kind of even the score over UAB. Um, but the second one is is BYU and St. Mary's. I think um, this is a very important game for BYU because they just haven't looked the same recently. You know, they, they suffered a couple losses, and um, I think they need this one over St. Mary's to kind of get back on track, you know, finish the, the year out strong. You know, I think it's very important that the WCC, you know, has – I think they have – I mean, they have a legitimate case to get, to get four teams in, you know. So, I think if BYU can kind of win this game and kind of get back some momentum, you know, in the right direction, then it'll do loads for them and loads for the WCC um, as far as getting the most amount of teams in the tournament as possible, man. I mean, how would that be if we have a four-bit WCC and a four-bit Mountain West going into NCAA tournament? I mean, that would be amazing for mid-major basketball. So those are the two games that I have circled on my calendar uh, the most, I would say. Yeah, I do some research. See, the last time that, that, that that's happened in the same year, the Mountain West and the WCC has gotten four teams in the tournament because it's very possible this year. I mean, this year could be the year where it happens, man. And I think I think you're right, man. BYU is definitely gonna you know gonna want to get that one. They're gonna be um, traveling to St. Mary's. So they're gonna be on the road. So it's not gonna be um, an easy task, but you know they they won the first time out 52 to 43. Um, you know when they were at BYU, so. You know, looking for a season sweep there. It's going to be tough, you know, to, to sweep a team like like St. Mary's that is, you know, um, extremely disciplined, you know, the way that they are. But, you know, in that first game, BYU held St. Mary's to 29.3% shooting from the floor and 17% shooting from three. So, you know, you come out and defend the way that they did in that first game, they don't have a good chance to come out of that one with a win. So, you know, it would be interesting to see, you know, how those games end up shaking out. But I'm definitely going to be tuned in. Sure, man, for sure. Definitely, definitely going to be tuning in, man. Some great, great basketball, man. But that is a wrap, folks, for another episode of the Auto Bid. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Coach Inglesby from Delaware, man. Um, and like I said, man, get you guys some popcorn, get you a little beverage, kick your feet up, man. Make sure you guys watch the plethora of games that are going to be on this weekend, man. Definitely going to be some big time implications as far as, you know, conference tournament seating and things like that, man. We're getting closer and closer to March Madness, my favorite time of the year, man, where it's going to be absolute pandemonium. So stick with us. You know, like I said, if you haven't subscribed yet, please, please go ahead and click that subscribe button right now. It goes a long way, man. And 
It's gonna be pull up tape on the outro, guys. Until next week. You beating on me? It's time to get a check, boy. You want to sideline? You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You beating on me? What's the topic of discussion? What we talking about? Take your best shot. I'm going to take the last shot. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.